your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? I'm Mike Lindsley. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports and be sure to follow us all over the social media platforms here, the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. This, of course, is the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network Pandemonium Podcast. And uh, we're delivering, look, seven days a week of uh, coverage, uh, audio, video, you name it, articles. So go check us out all over the social platforms. And uh, that includes Twitter at Built in Buffalo underscore and let's get right to it talking some bills football with my man nate geary wgr 550 the bills pregame and halftime show host uh we're gonna get into some otas the match and a heck of a lot more with nate at nate geary sports on twitter hey nate thanks for a few my pleasure man it's uh, good to be back so you're a huge golf guy you cover the bills uh, what'd you think of the match Oh, the match was awesome. Um, you know, listen, it, it's golf's not for everyone. If you don't love watching golf or if you don't even, you know, like watching it at all, you probably uh, felt the same way about that than you do watching normal golf. But at the same time, um, it was fun watching, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the league compete outside of the realm of the football field. So I had a great time. Uh, we, we had a, we hosted a watch party for GR at, uh, the public house in the lake in Hamburg, just outside of Buffalo. And uh, I think it was probably equally as fun to collectively as a group talk trash about Tom Brady as it was just watching the, uh, the actual match play out in real time. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Golf is really something, isn't it? Because, you know, here, here it is, and you said it. I mean, the best quarterbacks in the NFL are out on the golf course. They can basically do no wrong on a football field. And then you put them on the golf course and, you know, guys are shanking drives left and right. Allen had a tough day. Um, you know, eventually you're going to miss some putts. Uh, it, it's Golf is such a different animal. Uh, did you think that when you were watching too? Like, man, th- th- these are the best quarterbacks in the world, and yet here's golf to humble you. You know, we can always go to golf. If you need a humbling, you know, bring somebody to the golf course, Nate, you know? There's no doubt about that, and the only thing that has ever humanized Tom Brady is watching him play last week on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, you know, he obviously did not play very well. Josh, I didn't play very well either. But yeah, you're you're totally right. It's like one of those games where you know, like I play a lot. I mean, I play three, four, five times a week if I get the chance to play. I'll play, um, and you know, all that time, all that effort. You know, I still you know, struggle at times. And it just, it's one of the more difficult and humbling sports you can play out there. Um, so yeah, I, you know, if, if you're a casual fan of football or golf, um, seeing guys that you know are at the top of their profession struggle the way that they did on national television, it, it, it does kind of create a level of, okay, these guys are human beings. In fact, they are not, uh, they are not machines. How will you remember the career of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Nate? Mm, uh, well, fondly, first and foremost. You know, I know the end uh, didn't really go the way that he or the franchise uh, wanted it to go. And I know when he signed that extension, there was a desire from both team, both the team and the, you know, the organization and the player, you know, to be here longer and have a longer um, stretch of success than they did. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that there will be a level of companionship. There'll be a level of connection between the city of Buffalo and the organization and Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's good to see that it's a mutual thing too. And he recognizes that seeing him at the, 
you know, at the wild card home playoff game against the Patriots and the negative degree temperatures with his shirt off while he's still <laughs> under contract with another team um, will sort of be emboldened and brazened in my head forever. Um, so, you know, I, I think the thing that we'll always appreciate about Ryan Fitzpatrick is his, you know, endearing love for the city of Buffalo is, um, you know, it was pretty obvious during his, um, you know, quiet retirement here that, uh, you know, the, the Bills ended up putting that through their transaction wire, meaning he's likely will uh, retire as a Buffalo Bill, which I think is a fitting way to end his career. He bounced around the league a ton, um, but the one place that he always kind of comes back to that he lives full time is here in Western New York and in Buffalo. And, uh, and I think there will always be that connection to the city of Buffalo and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I feel like that game warranted uh, a Del Reed T-shirt, you know, from twenty six <laughs> shirts. I think putting Fitz on the front or something with the uh, with the shirt off. Um, OTAs. What do you think the Bills going in wanted to accomplish, and what do you think they have accomplished? Well, I think OTAs are tough, right? Um, I think they wanted to have great participation, great attendance numbers. I think they got that done. Um, I, you know, and in my opinion too, you know, we saw over this last weekend, um, a lot of the media folks that were covering the Von Miller pass rush Academy, um, where, you know, AJ Epinesa and Boogie Bash and Greg Rousseau all attended. Those are the sorts of things in the off season. And it's sort of, it's hard to place a value on how valuable that is to the young guys on this roster who, who need some veteran leadership, who need, um, you know, to be around some of the game's best to take the next step. And it's great to see that, not only have the Bills invested in a you know Hall of Fame caliber player on, on the defensive end in, in terms of Von Miller, but a guy who is you know kind of actively leading the charge at the position across the league and and bringing guys together and 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 looking to get better and passing off advice and and techniques and and I think that's the sort of stuff that you really get out of OTAs and then obviously into these you know like the tight end academy is another one I know that Greg Kittle and Travis Kelsey run and Dawson Knox will be at that we heard a lot from him on how productive and how useful that was for him last year and, and sort of taking his step last year in year three. So I think for me, Mike, what it kind of comes down to is this is the time of year where you really hone in your skills, sharpen, you know, iron sharpens iron as the, as the expression goes. So getting Von Miller in here, um, you know, getting some of these new players, these new faces, the, especially on the defensive line in and together um, so that they can start molding a, you know, a, you know, not necessarily a new culture. There is a pretty established culture here in Buffalo at this organization, but um, knowing that there's new faces, new names, um, new numbers, right? I think that familiarity really matters and that team building and bonding, which again, you know, looking forward into training camp, I am glad that the Bills will be back in Rochester this year um, because it's really hard to replicate. Uh, I know Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have mentioned this a ton of times about their um, their time at St. John Fisher College is, you know, that it's really hard to replicate that team building when you've got guys in college dorms all with the same beds and, you know, playing Xbox together and, and having the, that month-long bond being built there at St. John Fisher, it's unlike really any experience they can replicate. So I, I think part of it is just getting guys in the room, get them acclimated with the system, with the organization, with the voices at the top. Um, and I think that they probably did that in spades. And I know we got mandatory minicamp coming up. This mandatory minicamp will be a little bit more installed than I'm sure this was, which was, hey, let's get everybody together. Let's start talking terminology. Let's start talking and talking about technique and, and fundamentals. But as you get into mandatory minicamp and ultimately training camp, that's really where you're going to see more install from both offense and defensive coordinators. Nate Geary, WGR 550, our guest here on the Pandemonium Podcast. I'm Mike Lindsley uh, on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. And make sure you 
follow Nate uh, on Twitter at Nate Geary Sports. Um, the player on offense, the player on defense that you think will take the biggest leap forward. I'll go defensively first, and I, I'm going to go with Greg Rousseau. I know we just kind of talked about the pass rush academy, right? I, I think from a underrated rookie campaign perspective, there may not be a more underrated player in last year's rookie class than Greg Rousseau, one of the league's best run-stopping defensive ends in all of football, and I think that went really under the radar. Now, the sack numbers weren't there in year one. He did go through a stretch where the pressures and sack numbers were stagnant. He went several games without a sack, but I think now – Mike, that Von Miller will be on the other side. And having Boogie Basham um, being able to complement sort of the skill set that Greg Rousseau has, I think Rousseau is kind of going to be on track for a big year two jump. You know, there's going to be no double teams. He's going to be able to move around a little bit more. He'll continue to be and probably take a step up in terms of that edge run defending, um, which we know is super important in a Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier defense, that that defensive end that you can count on to set the edge and be a responsible run defender to free up the pass rusher on the other side. In this case, it'll be Von Miller. I think that offers a lot um, for Gregory Rousseau, and I think he's not going to face very many double teams, if any at all. That should free him up to have a big sophomore year campaign. So I'm expecting defensively the guy to really step up this year is Greg Rousseau. And in terms of the offense, you know, I think there's several guys you could point to. I think I'm going to stay on the, on the, in the trenches on the offensive line. And I'm going to go second year player, Spencer Brown, the the team starting right tackle. I think now with Aaron Cromer, um, who's going to be familiar with um, the best ways to sort of get the most and extract the most out of this offensive line and find a system that really fits them as a run blocking team, because we know, um, that they were good enough at times last year as pass blockers where they really needed um, a step up was in the run game. And we saw that in the second half of the season when you saw Ryan Bates get put into the lineup. I think it opened up a lot of things. Year two for Spencer Brown, I'm expecting him to be a road grader. I expect that right side of the offensive line, with um, which will likely be Ryan Bates next to Spencer Brown, to have a really big impact on opening holes and moving uh, moving the line of scrimmage upward this year. So I'm really excited to see what uh, you know what Spencer Brown does in Aaron Cromer's um, you know new system on the offensive line. Is it fair, Nate, in 2022 to have the Super Bowl or bust <laughs> mentality? And I ask that because not, look, I understand the great off season, the terrific draft. You know, the moves being made, uh, you know, from a cap standpoint, uh, Allen's growth. I, I, I know all of that, but there's also a bunch of other teams in the AFC, and they're all really, really good, and there's a ton of quarterbacks, and there's a ton of players coming over from the NFC. It's going to be very, very hard to get through all of them and stand on top of the mountain in February of 2023. Is Super Bowl or bust really okay? I mean, is that is that... I mean, should people be saying that and thinking that still? You know, it's funny. I kind of talked about this on my show on Saturday on WGR on Sports Talk Saturday. And, you know, I do think that those national expectations are there, right? Like you have Josh Allen, who is walking into the season as the favorite for the 2022 MVP award. You've got the Bills that are pretty universally favored to be the AFC contender, the AFC, um, you know, team to represent that conference in the Super Bowl. You've got Sean McDermott, who's, you know, on the top of just about everyone's coach of the year candidate list. So, you know, little by little, you start to get down this list of all these really high expectations that have been placed both on individuals in this team and organization, but also the team as a whole. I, 
I do think that we are kind of entering that Super Bowl or bust window. I think it was probably starting last year. Um, obviously, they don't get out of the divisional round, and that was disappointing. They they go out, they sign Von Miller to a six-year, $120 million deal. They re-sign Stephon Diggs to a long-term extension, making him one of the highest-paid wide receivers in football. But I think the reason that you get the four or bust at the end of that Super Bowl um, is because of the dwindling window you're going to have these core group of players around, right? Like Jordan Poyer's entering a situation where he wants a contract extension. I'm not sure he's going to get that. Um, you have uh, Tremaine Edmonds who enters the final year of his rookie deals and his fifth year option. He'll be a free agent next year. The same can be said about Dawson Knox. Um, so you start to get down the line here and start to get down the list, Mike, and you realize very quickly that there are a lot of marquee players on this team that may be moving on next year based on whether or not the team has enough cap space um, to make some of those contracts work based on some of the most recent signings they've had. So for me, the or bust comes from, you know, the longevity of keeping this group together because guys age out, contracts happen, contract disputes happen. And, and I think the further and further down the road we get here, the more likely those situations pop up. Okay. In closing, Nate, you're going to be proud of me. I uh, went out to Buffalo, uh, I guess, what would it be, uh, about a couple months ago and saw my cousin, played Harvest Hill, had Barbell nice. bar bill Wings for the first time. I, I immediately put him up to the top, not just from uh, all the hype and everything, and, and then having him and, and having to do that. I really, truly believe that they're the best that I've had. Um, so uh, I, I got a little bit more Buffalo in me, Nate. I know you're proud of those two visits. Absolutely, I am. Uh, yeah, Barbell is as good as it gets, oh. man. Anytime, uh, anytime anyone asks me where to send somebody, um, it's Barbell. They just have some of the best wings I've ever had. But it's not even just the wings. It's the beef on whack. It's just everything. It, it is uniquely Buffalo. Um, that's where the players go. It's where people from out of town are always kind of flocking to. So I'm glad you got there. Glad you got a little golf in. Hopefully the weather was good for you. Um, you know, it's been kind of a tough tough start to our to our summer season in terms of golf a lot of rain but hey you know it, it makes the courses greener and uh and even more high quality there's a lot of great golf here in western new york so you, you picked a great course and a great place to eat and uh i'm sure you'll uh, next time you're up we'll make sure we, we we get out for a quick round and we got a nice casey middle stat goal to beat the blackhawks that night and nice. sweet and with sweet tickets so it was a it was a terrific uh, day and evening uh, in Western New York, without a doubt. Well, he does a great job covering the Buffalo Bills pregame and halftime host for WGR 550 Catches Saturday show as well, and he is on Twitter at Nate Geary Sports. Nate, always love our chats. Uh, continued success, my friend. Thanks you as well, Mike. Anytime. Uh, appreciate you having me. I kind of want to spend the second half of the podcast here, and, and again, a great conversation with Nate Geary as it, as it always is. Um, I, I wanted to kind of get into the Bills, a, a position that I've asked guests about, um, you know, that I've read about a ton. The Bills were obviously extremely active uh, in the NFL draft, uh, adding depth to this position. Uh, they brought somebody from the outside in, and they re-signed one of their own. And that position is the slot receiver position. I am really, really intrigued with this position and and how many you know slices of the pie are going to be given to certain guys you know like if you had to take a, a percentage a pie of the slot receiver and say okay this percentage is going to be Isaiah McKenzie this percentage is going to be Jamison Crowder this you know this this part is going to be uh, Khalil Shakir uh, depending on if he can 
you know, get get going. And, and oh, by the way, they just recently signed Tavon Austin. Uh, I remember, goodness, he's been in the league nine years already. I remember uh, covering him in college at West Virginia, um, and and I went to a, I think it was a pinstripe bowl uh, against Syracuse. Um, he was a part of that. I think Geno Smith, uh, Stedman Bailey kind of kind of team. So, um, but anyway, the slot receiver. Uh, is a very interesting one because here's the thing you have so many options and you have so much uh, versatility and you have such an unbelievable blend I mean you have height uh, you have speed you have size uh, Shuli, uh Khalil Shakir is six foot 190 um, kind of like a, a, a shifty fast guy but he also can you know use his body um, McKenzie is short. 5'8", 173, a little bit lighter, um, but he's quick as hell, and he provides a different, unique style of running. Jamison Crowder is around the same, you know, the same build. 5'9", 177. Tavon Austin, 5'8", 176. Those guys um, should all get their, their reps, there's no doubt. But the one thing that the Bills have this year, um, you know, that they didn't have in years past is they have a just so many weapons that Josh Allen can dump the ball off to, right? I mean, he can just when the blitz comes at him, he doesn't have time to you know check down a bunch of places. He can't get the pass deep to Diggs. He can't get the pass wherever Gabe Davis is. He can't get the pass to a Dawson Knox or an OJ Howard. He's going to be able to do a lot of those get down throws, right? He's going to just a quick little throw to. A Devin Singletary to a you know Khalil Shakir to a Jameson Crowder to a James Cook, uh, whether that's a little bit over the middle with the slot, whether that's to the side with one of these guys, um, you know, because I I would fully expect Ken Dorsey's offense to have uh, as much mixing and matching as Brian Dable's offense, if not more, um, you know. But just get down throws, right? Like I, I'm under pressure. I, I'm under siege, man. I I need some help here. Um, and I only have about a half a second to a second at most to get rid of the ball, you know, and finding my option. And I think that the slot guys will be able to help that, um, the cause there with that immediately. Um, I think as it looks right now, I think I would probably put, you know, McKenzie. I mean, there's been talk by some people predicting that Jameson Crowder might go through training camp and then not even, you know, not even make the roster. Um, right now, I, I don't see that happening. Um, but if I had to take the percentage of this position, uh, I do think Khalil Shakir is going to be a factor in year one. I mean, I, I think he will get some playing reps. There's no question. Um, I might lean towards maybe to start the season, 40% McKenzie, 35% Crowder, and then 20 percent Shakir and then maybe five going to Tavon Austin or maybe flipping those because the veteran um you know over the rookie whatever the case may be um maybe all these guys aren't on the roster and then it just gets split up between two or three guys um but right now the slot position is a very fascinating position for me uh as is in a way running back because I think James Cook you know out of Georgia 
And again, that team got all the accolades last year for its defense, one of the great single-season defenses in college football history. But man, was there a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball as well, and that includes the running back James Cook. He's just a he's a big bowling ball type of guy. I mean, he's 5'11", 190, 200 pounds. Um, you know, the Bills get him in the second round, but he's a guy who is going to be able to catch the ball and just zip right downfield. Um, he's a good blocker. He can run in between tackles. He can run to the outside. Um, he's going to be a get-down throw for Josh Allen. Um, and, and, you know, something else to keep in mind is the running back position. You know, Zach Moss's days are probably numbered. Uh, Devin Singletary's contract is up at the end of this year. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a fascinating watch. You know, I think you could argue the two most fascinating positions to watch on the Bills this year are running back and slot receiver for all the reasons I mentioned. Because let's be honest, wide receiver, overall wide receiver, everybody feels pretty good and is expecting great things and pretty much knows what it's going to see out of Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. Pretty much know what we're going to see out of Dawson Knox, right? I mean, if he's even equal to last year and a little bit ahead of that, uh, he's going to have just a fantastic year, right? The offensive line, I mean, Nate alluded to Spencer Brown. Um, it was a very good pick, a very unique pick for, you know, for a guy to take the leap forward. Um, you know, but I think the offensive line last year was once they got intact and once they got healthy and, and they figured out positions and whatnot, you know, the offensive line I thought was really, really good. Um, you know, Sean McDermott tried to force the run game down the throat of, of, of Brian Dable when Devin Singletary wasn't Devin Singletary yet, you know, as the year was going on and the offensive line wasn't healthy. And then, you know, you fast forward a few weeks, weather gets a little bit colder and those things start to come to fruition, right? They start to manifest. Okay, well, now we can run the ball this way. We can do this this way. We can, you know, have Josh Allen roll out X amount of times. We can limit him running. Um, Mitch Morse was a staple anchor at center. Uh, and then, Obviously, you've got you know other guys who had great years. Feliciano was hurt uh, and had Corona, but Dawkins was really good. Uh, you know, after that Titans game where he got blown up at the one yard line uh, and Allen slipped, um, yeah, he, he's just he's an All Pro blindside tackle. I mean, he's just a, he's just a terrific football player. Spencer Brown, Ryan Bates, right? Like the offensive line, I think we kind of have a pretty good feeling. Um, about these guys, I think. And, you know, you obviously add a Roger Saffold to it. Um, you know, the, the, the line is, is, is really good, really deep. Um, you know, you, you kind of have a feeling what you're going to see out of the defense, right? We know how Poyer and Hyde play, right? We know Matt Milano will be all over the place. We know, um, you know, at Oliver, again, is kind of like Knox from last year in terms of, hey, if, if, if you can get at least last year out of him, if you get something more, he's obviously going to be basically on the, on the you know, on the cusp of superstardom. Um, you know, you know what you're going to get from the corners. Uh, I mean, look, I, I guess Kyrie Elam, uh, you know, being a rookie, uh, we might not know, but we can kind of expect it. I mean, I think, um, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be, a good one. Uh, you know, I, I think when Trey, you know, Trey White comes back, you know, we, we know what Taron Johnson is. Um, we're, we're, we're pretty much expecting instant impact 
and rightfully so for a first ballot Hall of Famer and Von Miller. Like there's a lot, there are a lot of guys, a lot of positions that we're already kind of, we already have evidence of them, and we also have a certain expectation for them. With the slot receiver, other than McKenzie getting thirty to forty percent of the slot receiver reps or more, um, I don't really know about the slot. I don't. Uh, the running back position, we had some evidence with Singletary. But now Cook just pre- pre- you know presents this entire you know new element to the Bills' offense, and I just love it. You know, I really do. So I have my eyes on those two positions right now. I am uh, I am looking forward to seeing how you know these things play out. Um, you know, can the slot guys together? Uh, make up for the production loss with Cole Beasley not there. Um, you know, Cook and Singletary, could they become a one-two punch um, that is very, very difficult to deal with? Uh, Singletary, though, 5'7", 203 pounds, and Cook is 5'11", um, 190, 195. So they are similar players, but the difference is Cook is an advanced catcher out of the backfield coming out of college. Uh, and I think that really enticed Brandon Bean. I mean, I think that really, um, you know, was attractive to him. Like, what are we missing? And that's why they looked at Travis Etienne last year, right? That's why Brees Hall was on the board on a lot of people's mocks. Um, you know, it's hard with the Bills, with a roster like them, or with the Chiefs or the Bucks or, or whoever, to say, oh, wow, you know, we really need this and this and this. And usually that's, you know, water cooler discussion for teams like the Jets, the Giants, the Jags, uh, you know, just kind of trying to get back on the rails a little bit, right? Uh, the Lions, uh, those type of teams, you know, like, uh, uh, boy, we, we, we really need, you know, ABC. The Bills, you know what, for as complete a team as a lot of those clubs I just mentioned are, um, you still, if you dive deep, and this is where, you know, you're never satisfied uh, as a head coach or a general manager or an owner, um, you, you dig deep enough, you, you still always find something that you really were missing. And in the Bills case, I think they feel like they've solved uh, even more production, um, implementing, you know, more guys at the slot, and then getting James Cook in the draft. So I am really, really, really pumped up for those two positions to watch how they unfold, to see where the reps are shared, um, the different dynamics of different players. Um, I, I think there's home run potential at both spots. Um, I, I just can't wait. I, I think the running back position and the slot receiver position are going to be terrific um, storylines for the Bills in 2022. Thanks for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you follow us on all the social channels at Built in Buffalo underscore on Twitter. Uh, a big part of that as well. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Again, seven days a week of round the clock Buffalo Bills coverage, video, audio, articles, you name it. We're doing it seven days a week. And also, big time thank you to Nate Geary from WGR 550 in Buffalo for chatting some Bills football with us here as well. I'm Mike Lindsley, your host. Thanks for listening. I'm on Twitter as well, at Mike L Sports. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games.